Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. My guest today on Song of the Soul is Greg Farley. Greg started learning guitar around the age of 10 and came back to it after several other instruments. Raised Catholic, he sought a better-fitting spiritual home, studied with Jehovah's Witnesses, eventually settling, more or less, in charismatic Christian circles. His Song of the Soul is comprised of original compositions by Greg from his new CD called For All to See. Greg, welcome to Song of the Soul. Thank you. It's good that you've got a week off from work here so that you can have time to be with your music and to share this interview with me. How much music do you do, do you make during a regular week? It varies depending on how much time I have. I try to practice you know, regularly, but as far as recording, there's weeks I won't do any and there's, there's weeks that I will hit it more heavily. I actually kind of have been on a respite from it. I finished... A recording last January, and I just actually started maybe a month or two ago starting a new batch of songs. Like many of us, I think that you'd like music to be your full-time job. What is your day job? I work as a machinist uh, at a place where we make dyes for the beverage industry for making aluminum cans. I work 3 to 11, so I still got lots of time in the morning to do my recording, and again after work late at night. <laughs> I take it that that's not your true avocation. Doing the machining work is not your true avocation. No, it's out of economic necessity. <laughs> if I had my way, I'd be in music full-time. When did you first get involved with music? When did you become a musician? 
I grew up in a musical home, so even from a young age, my mom could get me to behave by simply putting on a classical record, and I would sit down and I would listen rather than get into mischief. And then, of course, once the monkeys and the Beatles and stuff, I was familiar with them, and well, then I, I had to be a musician when I grew up for sure. And I uh, started playing guitar when I was, oh, I suppose, nine or ten, and kind of let it go for a while and focused on percussion then for a couple of years. Then going into junior high, they needed woodwinds, so I played clarinet, <laughs> which wasted three years, but got back into guitar then at about 15 years old and, and really stuck with it then and practiced a lot. During high school, I practiced probably three or four hours a day. At the expense of your academic subjects? To some degree. <laughs> the rest of your family, they also play instruments? Most of them. My mom is still an active musician, keyboardist, pianist. My sister was a flute performance major in college, and she is still playing uh, actively and recording. I have a brother that's very much into music, as I am, guitar and banjo and bass and different things. And uh, I have two other siblings that really are not into it. Oh, and my grandfather uh, was into jazz bands uh, way back in the like 40s and 50s. He was always in jazz bands. He played saxophone, clarinet, and I believe percussion also. I was kind of surprised, Greg, when you mentioned that at 10 years old, your mother could put on classical music and get you to sit down and listen. That's not my vision of most 10-year-olds, that classical music would hold them in their seats. I'm not sure the monkeys would have held them in their seats either. Do you really have that wide of an appreciation of music? Yeah, actually I do, and it was really much younger. It was probably more like three or four that she would put on the classical music. You know, I just appreciate a wide variety of music, and you can kind of hear it in my music, too. I really have kind of an eclectic guitar-based style, but I like classical, I like hard rock, you know, heavy metal, blues, jazz. It kind of depends on what I'm in the mood for. I can appreciate anything that's done well. I think along the way you performed as part of a traveling band, didn't you? Yeah, right out of high school I uh, played in a band that played nightclubs, best westerns, holiday inns, things like that, where we would play six nights a week in the lounge. And we also did some bar gigs and stuff in that group as well. But that was that was full-time. I played in that for probably just about four months. And why did you get out of that? Wasn't that part of living out your love for music? Yeah, unfortunately the band was breaking up. <laughs> and... Uh, we were going different directions. I mean, it wasn't my decision. I was actually the last member to join. I was replacing someone else, but then the band was breaking up, and a few of us actually formed another band then that played locally, but it wasn't full-time. Well, could you give me a little bit of your background, Greg, with respect to religion? Where did you start off religiously? I was raised in a Roman Catholic family. We went to parochial school. I was an altar boy. I remember having a deep sense of an awe of God as, as a young child looking up into the clouds and just pondering who God was and what it was all about. I think as a teenager I really drifted from that because there are a lot of things to detract you as a teenager and I got into some things I you know, shouldn't have. I started smoking pot and looking at pornography and things that really weren't conducive to good spiritual health. I pretty much drifted. But I came back to an interest in spirituality when I was like a senior in high school, I got in an art class with a uh, Jehovah's Witness. He gave me some books to read, and I found them pretty interesting, because I, I guess I thought the Bible was just a, a boring book that old ladies read. And these books kind of piqued my interest, my curiosity. They talked about Christ reigning on the earth, and 
wars stopping and wolf lying down with lambs and all those things. And, well, that sounded really appealing to me. I, I looked around at the crime and everything in our society, and I thought that sounded pretty cool. As I started reading the Bible, I started in Matthew, and I read this Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the pure in heart, and all of those things. And I thought it was pretty cool. I thought, you know, this isn't at all like I thought it would be. I, I really like this. If our whole society would live this way, we wouldn't have to lock our doors at night and wouldn't need jails, wouldn't need armies. <laughs> I was quite uh, fascinated by what I was reading. But after about a little less than a year, I left fellowship with the Jehovah's Witnesses. There were some things that I was seeing in the Bible that really wasn't in agreement with what I was hearing from them. I really didn't know what to do then. I kind of went back occasionally to the Catholic Church, but I was hungering for a a deeper spirituality than what I was feeling in those services. There were many good people there, and I actually did attend uh, later on some charismatic Catholic prayer meetings that were definitely more spiritual. But for a time, I was I was just pretty confused and just kind of cast off restraint and went back into some things I shouldn't have, you know, getting drunk and other various things. The last gig we played in that band that I was in that was on the road, at the, it was also at this time that I was studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses, we were playing in a place in Faribault, Minnesota. On one side, there were bands that played. On the other side, there were strippers. Well, we were playing on the one side for uh, four nights, and I would go over on our breaks and watch the strippers. On the way back from that last gig, we totaled my car. <laughs> I wasn't driving. I was, um, I was tired that night, so I was letting the bass player drive. It was kind of funny looking back because we were driving through these winding country roads and it just had just snowed and I said, you know, don't you think you should slow down? The roads look kind of slippery. And he says, ah, I got it, I got it. Within five minutes, we're upside down in a ditch. <laughs> Fortunately, nobody was hurt. But here's where the, the uh, spiritual impact of this came in. Normally, I would have been sitting in the middle seat when I'm not driving because I'm the shortest of the three of us that drove together. The other guys being about, oh, I don't know, six to eight inches taller. So the short guy got stuck in the middle when I wasn't driving. In this particular case, the drummer's fiance was traveling with us. Those two were sitting in the back seat, and we were sitting in the front. When we rolled the car, the roof collapsed and made a V right to the dashboard. So in the middle, where 90-plus percentage of the time I would be sitting, I would have been killed. My head would have been crushed. So I knew God's hand was in it. He allowed it to happen as gently as he could. And a little plug for seat belts here. <laughs> I normally didn't wear them, but because of the road conditions, I had my seat belt on and shoulder harness, and it was just like a ride at the fair. I just stayed right there, didn't get a bump or a scratch. But because of the realization as I began dwelling on it, how normally I would have been sitting in the middle and probably would have been killed, it made me realize that I really needed to start focusing on spirituality again and, and reading the scriptures and trying to find God. And that's what I did. I was still a little confused. I'd read the Bible and study it in the daytime and then go out and get drunk sometimes at night. But I think bit by bit, by and large, I began to see the bigger picture and God began calling me to a relationship with himself. Did you go through some kind of born-again experience or did you just kind of gradually work your way into fellowship? It was actually kind of both. I mean, I, I was reading the scriptures and I knew I was still holding back a little bit I was given a book to read about the life story of Nikki Cruz, who had been a gang leader in New York City who had come to faith in Christ. 
the book talked about everything he went through from his life in the gang to his conversion. And that book made a real impact on me. He was actually going to be speaking in town in the coming weeks, and so I determined that I was going to go see him, and I was going to use that as an opportunity to make a public profession of my faith. So I, I guess I would say that was when I was born again. I, I felt I was yielding up the last corner of my life to God and, and making a public profession. Not that I've been perfect ever since or anything, but I think something changed there as far as really where my allegiance was in my heart. You mentioned, Greg, that you were particularly impressed by the Sermon on the Mount when you started out reading Matthew. How important is that in your current faith? Yeah, it's still very important. I know, understanding the gospel, that we cannot be saved by our flawless efforts. But Jesus was outlining an example of, here is what my will is. This would be the result of a spirit-filled life you know, the hungering after righteousness and humility and things like that. And few of us measure up to that to the degree that we would like to every day, but that's our ideal. That's what we strive for. Do you have opportunities, since you're not traveling with a band anymore, to do performances of your music? Yes, I do. I'm in a group called PS150. We play both prisons and coffee houses, and we do some of my original material with that group. And I've actually done a few of them in church. I play in my uh, praise team on uh, Sundays, and every once in a while I will do one for like a, a special song. And what is your church these days? I'm attending Tabernacle of Praise here in Eau Claire. I was talking to you before the interview, you know, talking about my background, uh, the religious groups I've been involved in the past, and, and I feel important to emphasize that and this is something that, that I was learning in the scriptures early on, is that Jesus said that he was the way, he was the truth, and he was the life. It's not what church you go to, what organization you belong to, but it's that you know God, that you are alive spiritually. Jesus said that he was the light, came into the world to light every man. So to me, I think it's important to emphasize to people that it's not a religion or denomination that I push, but it's the person of Christ that I present. He is the answer, not a particular church organization. Well, let's turn our attention to the music that you've picked out for today. All six selections that you've picked for today are pieces of music that you created from top to bottom. You're accompanied by yourself most of the time, and just one time you have someone else in there. So your first cut is Naked and Afraid. What's this cut about? This song is about honesty, transparency, introspection, being honest about where you're at spiritually, you know, being willing to look inside and see where there are faults and not think that you're perfect or whatever. You know, Jesus, one of his biggest pet peeves was the attitudes of the Pharisees where it's like they thought they had it together and they didn't need any help. But the truth of the matter is if we look inside... Every one of us fails to love our neighbor as ourself. We fail in many ways, and it, this song is just about being honest. The chorus here says, I'm naked and afraid, but I won't hide no more. Forgive the bad English, but it works for the song. I'm feeling so unmade, but it's an open door. I'm crawling on my knees. I'm bleeding on the floor. I'm asking you please end this inner war. So it's, it's humility, brokenness. Jesus said, Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We'll listen here now to Naked and Afraid, its original composition of Greg Farley. Naked and afraid. 
Greg, everything that's on your CD is, I believe, on a religious theme. Does this mean you don't do secular music anymore? Not entirely. In the band I'm in, we actually do a number of secular songs as well, but we kind of look at them on a song-by-song basis. We want messages that are positive and nothing that's like antichrist or that's promoting drug abuse or promiscuity you know we we try to focus on songs that are more positive even though many of them people will recognize from the radio can you give me an example of a couple of the kind of positive songs out there that you feel comfortable doing there's a couple of songs we do by the who i'm free and bargain see just a shot away by the rolling stones evil ways by santana europa by santana Heaven by Lost Lonely Boys. I guess that's kind of a spiritual theme, but it's played on the secular radio. And we do a couple of Bob Dylan tunes, learn some Evanescence. So we kind of mix it up, you know, because we play places that are not necessarily strictly Christian, so we kind of like to have something for everybody. But like I said, we're just kind of selective, and we want something that has a positive message. Who is your band now? The name of the band I play in is PS150. Band members consist of myself on guitars, acoustic and electric, and vocals. Sarah Wallace-Tomzak plays violin and sings and plays mandolin. Craig Verass plays bass guitar and does some singing. Ted Bukowski plays percussion and sings. And Jim Herman is our drummer. We play at prisons, we play at coffee houses, play festivals, concerts. We played recently here opened up for a band called The Crossing that played here in town that was actually a Celtic group, so it was quite a variety because we're actually kind of an eclectic mix of blues, rock, praise and worship. You know, we actually have a pretty wide range that we do. How would people get a hold of you in case they're interested in getting your band to come and perform? Well, they could call any one of us. You can contact me at 839-0135 or email me at greg tf1 at yahoo.com and i might add too if anyone is interested in in the cd that they hear music from today that they could also contact me in the same way the second song you chose for your song of the soul is fix me are you still feeling in need of being fixed is this a constant part of your journey i would say yeah to some degree there are times that i guess i'm more acutely aware of it than others i think that we're all in that same state, but some of us are more or less aware of it. I think the the more the more we read the scriptures, the more we see our faults. You know, you can look in the mirror in a darkened room and think you look pretty good, but take one of these bright makeup mirrors with the lights on and look up close and you see every line and everything in your face. And I think someone that spends a lot of time in the scriptures, the more you do, the more you see 
yeah, I'm broken. <laughs> I need fixing. It's, it's a song of introspection, of recognizing our need of a fix that only God can perform. The lyrics of the chorus say, Fix me, I'm broken, or have I misspoken? Nothing in this world can feed me. Nothing in this world has freed me. And the bridge kind of brings us to a place of hope. Most of the song is a sense of searching and kind of a groping in the dark after God or after truth, after answers. But in the bridge is where some ray of hope is shown here, where it says, I was raised to life by a man of sorrows, with no place left to look but up. And of course, that's talking about Jesus of Nazareth, who said he was the light that's come into the world to light every man that comes into the world. And he is that man of sorrows that took our sorrows in our pain. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. So we'll listen here to Fix Me again, another song by Greg Farley. Oh 
third song that you've selected is also another one of the 12 tracks on your new CD, Greg. It's called Seeking, Saving Me. What's it about? It's basically the story of the gospel, that Jesus came seeking and saving that which was lost. There's no way I could find him if he had not been first looking for me. There's nothing we can do to get to God. It's kind of like we're in a pit and we can throw a rope ladder up against the side of the pit and it'll just fall back down on us. But in the gospel, he comes down from above looking for us. The lyrics here say, you have come seeking, saving me. I remember seeing you on that tree. And the third verse of the chorus really sums it up. You fought to the end and it was my fight. As Jesus fought in the garden of Gethsemane with his own fears and anxieties, we hung over the abyss by a thread because if he didn't go through with it, there would be no payment for our sins. It was a payment that we couldn't afford to make. And as he wrestled with it, as a human being, feeling the anxiety, the fear, till he was sweating great drops of blood, but yet he went through with it. He, he rose above that and he conquered that and went all the way to the cross. And that's why I say he's my hero. It was my fight that he fought and he won. Clearly, Greg, this is a ministry for you, this music. Had you ever considered going into full-time ministry? Yes, actually, at one time I was attending Bible college through uh, correspondence while I was also working. But as I searched out that path, it became obvious to me that my gift was to communicate through the creative arts, particularly music. 
I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert, so continually meeting people, talking to people, uh, pulpit ministry was really not, I don't think, what I was wired for. Now I'm in a music ministry. We go, like I said, we go into the prisons. We also play coffee houses and so forth, and I, I play in church. It's not full-time. I would like it to be. I also went to Mexico a couple of years ago and um, largely musical outreach, and that was a lot of fun. Well, let's listen to a bit of your musical ministry. Your next song is Seeking Saving Me. Now I'm longing for your life 
have you done much traveling internationally? You mentioned you were down to Mexico. Have you traveled in other countries as well? No, not really. I spent a year living in Alaska, which is not another country, but just felt like it. <laughs> so really, the, I guess the only one would be Mexico. Do you speak Spanish? How much of the culture down there did you encounter? Quite a bit. Where we went, it wasn't a tourist area. We were very conspicuous. <laughs> you know, we were mostly white. We had one African-American with us, but we stuck out like sore thumbs. But it was fun because we were seeing the real Mexico, not the tourist areas. We saw the garbage man coming through on a horse-drawn, I guess you wouldn't really call it a buggy. It had rubber wheels, but it, it was interesting. It was like kind of a convergence of old and new in many ways. Uh, where we were staying was actually right across the street from an internet cafe, which was interesting. But we got to see the real culture. We got to see the people that were living in basically cobbled together shacks uh, out of pallets and pieces of tin or whatever. Didn't have any running water, bathrooms. They did have electricity. There was a nearby power pole where there was like a gazillion wires running to it. That, uh, I don't think it passed any kind of code by any stretch of the imagination, but they were able to tap into it so they could listen to the radio and stuff like that. But Now, as far as the language question, I've been studying Spanish for a few years now, but it's it's slow coming, but I'm working at it. The next song you picked for your Song of the Soul is Wherever I Go. What's the story of this song this song communicates how that wherever we go, God being everywhere present, uh, we're never distant from him. The first verse says, Climb the highest mountain, you are there. Swim the deepest ocean, I feel your care. Walk on worlds beyond us, and you're already waiting. I cannot escape you if I try. I cannot pretend to know why. You just keep on loving me when I'm so unfaithful. And also behind this song is the thought that Paul was communicating when he was speaking to the Grecians at Athens, when now these were people that were not at all converted to the faith yet, they were, you know, Greeks and their various religions, and he was trying to communicate to them the truth of a God that created all things and was available to them. And he said to them, He is not far from every one of us, but we may feel after him and find him. That is to every man, woman, or child on the earth. It doesn't matter. Your creed, your religion, your belief, God is there and available. We can feel after him and find him. He's not hiding from any of us. <laughs> He's just waiting for us to open our hearts. You know, it says in the epistles that Paul wrote that neither height nor depth nor life nor death can separate us from the love of Christ. That's the feeling I'm trying to convey in this song. Well, listen here to Wherever I Go. Keep on loving when I'm so unfaithful 
a lot of rational-minded people have trouble with when they approach religion, and particularly the Bible, is the number of miracles that appear in the Bible. 
Jesus can stop the storm or he can raise Lazarus from the dead and so on. And a lot of people just say, you know, that doesn't happen. And so this is uh, a myth. Uh, this is Thor throwing his hammer and creating thunder. Have you experienced miracles happening? Have you been witness to really dramatic things? I've, I've witnessed some miracles. I would say they're miracles. I wouldn't say they're dramatic. I can think of instances where people were in pain or were sick or whatever, and after a, a moment of prayer, the, the pain subsided. I can think of a specific example. A few years ago, a guy <laughs> had a head-on collision playing football, and his head was really hurting. And um, a few of us just gathered around and laid our hands on him and prayed. I mean, nothing fancy or long, just a prayer. And as soon as we were done praying, the, the pain was gone, and it didn't come back, and it had been hurting like days. So, you know, little things like that that are not dramatic, they're not walking on water, but they're, I feel, God intervening in small ways in the lives of people. Many times in prayer I've felt like an electric current in the air around me. I've felt a very real sense of presence. And I've felt, actually, I had one particular experience that was, I would say, with the dark side. I woke up one morning as I felt something pushed and jerked down on me very forcefully, and I woke up. And you know how you think, okay, I'm dreaming, I'm falling, whatever. So that happened. And when I was awake, it happened again. There was no one in the room with me. Now that, that'll make your hair stand on end. I was too scared to even be able to speak. But in my mind, I began praying and calling on the name of Jesus. And that broke it, whatever it was. So, I mean, little things that I, I've experienced, the definite presence of God and the, the reality of the spirit realm. But like I said, I haven't walked on water or anything like that. Well, speaking of walking on water, that is the title of the next song. What led you to create this song? Well, of course, this song is actually talking about walking on the water in a more figurative sense. The song is basically seeking for a life that is beyond just eating, sleeping, taking up space, but a life that matters, a life that serves others, a life that brings somehow the presence and knowledge of God into the earth a little more that makes any sense to people, but just a life that matters, you know, not just entertaining ourselves and going to work, but a life that you feel like, okay, I'm a part of what God's doing in this earth, and, and I'm feeling the satisfaction of that. And the thing is, sometimes that requires us stepping out in faith, and sometimes it's not easy. You know, Peter was called to step out of the boat. Jesus said, come to me on the water. And that was not easy for Peter to do. He couldn't read back and see how it would turn out. He was there in the boat, and there was these angry waves around him. He had to have the belief that he could get out and walk on water that he had never seen or done before, except for seeing Jesus do it right now. And so that took some faith, and he had to do that. And sometimes we feel God impress on our hearts things that he wants us to do that feel just about that difficult. It may involve financial things or things that we feel are beyond our ability or way out of our comfort zone. But if we feel strongly that God has impressed on us to do this, we will step out and we'll walk on the water, so to speak. Let's listen to Greg's fifth song in his Song of the Soul, a song he wrote called Walk on the Water. Trusting the 
beyond the boundaries of this prison called my comfort zone. I want to be so much more, do more than pride can afford. Reaching out, no more fear. imagine, Greg, that some of our listeners heard in the last two cuts where the violin came in. I believe Sarah was joining you. I think that's the only example in these songs where you are not all of the musicians. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, Sarah joined me on violin on this song. It was actually two songs ago, Seeking Saving Me. She also played the violin on that. I really want to thank her for that. She added a lot of atmosphere to the song and I think really brought it to a whole new level. Well, let's go to your last song in your Song of the Soul. It's called For All to See. What biblical roots does this song have? It's kind of a vision of the 
second coming of Christ. It's, it's kind of an imaginative, what would it feel like for me to personally experience that, to be alive walking on the earth and have him return? It's kind of like that. You know, most of the song, you can't quite figure out, okay, are we talking about a spiritual experience or is this talking about close encounters of the third kind or what? And I purposely wrote it in kind of a veiled way like that just to get people to really ponder and kind of use their imagination to what I'm talking about. Uh, in the bridge, I kind of bring it into more of a focus when I say, and now I'm walking through the sky and I know I'll never die. The veil has been rolled back and I'm seeing face to face. And that's what the scriptures talk about, that time when Christ returns for the people that have put their faith in him and we are transformed into immortal bodies and see him face to face. We'll listen here to Greg's vision of second coming for all to see.
Greg, when's the next time that you're going to be out playing in public? On January 13th, it's a Friday night, we're going to be playing at the 410 Club down on Barstow Street. It's actually a part of Valley Brook Church, and there's a live radio broadcast that goes out over WHEM. But we play, in addition to what goes out on the air, we play actually a little longer set than that there. But that's our next one lined up. And could you repeat for our listeners... Uh, what email address they can get a hold of you via? They can email me at gregtf1 at yahoo.com. If they're interested in having the band play or if they would like a copy of the CD, I'll send it to them for $10. I'll pay for the postage. So if you're interested in either of those, feel free to email me. Thanks for taking the time to be here, and congratulations on your new CD. I hope you have great success in getting it out to the world and sharing your ministry wherever it is, prisons and outside of prisons and everywhere and on the street. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and share my music with the people. You've been listening to Greg Farley's Song of the Soul. If you want to hear this program again, you can do it via my website, northernspiritradio.org. You can also hear other programs there and find links and information about my programs. Song of the Soul is produced by Mark Helpsmeet. If you'd like to share your Song of the Soul with the listeners of WHYS-FM radio, please contact me via my email address, helpsmeet at usa.net. That's H-E-L-P-S-M-E-E-T at usa.net. And please join me Sundays at 11 a.m. for Song of the Soul. You can be happy, let in the light, it will heal you. And you can feel you and sing out a song of